The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And what matters to me? Come on, you guys know what matters to me. The Ohio State University, of course, had a football game last week against that school up north. And, of course, it was a football game. I think uh, as I went down memory lane, I remember a few years back it was a game very similar to that, I think, uh, at that time. Uh, although everybody thinks the uh, Big Ten Conference uh, has taken a, a bow to a couple other conferences out there. I believe they were 1-2, and two and the score was something very similar. So uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I got in the studio with me, my friend. Doug Mack, Dougie Mack. I just call Doug whatever I want to call him on that particular day because my man always got it going on. What's going on there, Doug? I'm just chilling, Ray. Just having a good day, man. Well, it's a, it's a good We're chilling in the studio because yeah. it's kind of cold It here, is cold. Right? <laughs> they, they're keeping it frigid. They want to yeah. make sure we're on our toes. Well, I'm listen, I'm not going to sleep in here, man. Too much going on, man, in the world of sports. And, and as I said, I'm, I'm a happy man. Uh, uh, the Buckeyes won. I'm not sure, you know, what your take on that was going to be prior to the game because we didn't discuss it. No, nope. uh, but I would say this: that uh, as somebody who has a passion for sports, you had to say that the game was entertaining. It was a heck of a game. It was a better game than I expected it would be, and it just seems like Urban Meyer's got this little magic thing working right now. Every time it comes down to a, a fluky or close or unexpected outcome, he's on top right now. So well, they got I got it going. I, I, I would say that uh, Urban might have something going on, but the, that guy down there at uh, and Auburn's got something going on as well because Auburn a couple weeks ago got a lucky bounce. You know, it just so happens to land in the right hands yeah. uh, on into a score. And then, of course, the way that game the ended. But, game. but I, I would say this about about Urban Meyer and, and the Buckeyes. You know, I, I think because it's Michigan, it, it's a rivalry game. And that's how those rivalry games, you know, they play out. Yeah. You know, throw away, you know, who the pundits may think is a better team than the other. You know, you play your whole life. You know, that's an Ohio State-Michigan kind of thing. And I said the word just because I want everybody, in case those people out there listening, they don't know who that school up north is, you can certainly Google it and you'll find out. But that's a childhood thing. You grow up not liking the other state, you know, and you get a chance to play against each other. And that's really what the season's all about. And that's one thing when Urban came and accepted the job, being an Ohio kid, he knew what was the most important thing for him uh, as he came in to, uh, you know, to take over that, that job. Yep. Uh, he knew that he, he had to beat the team up north. Everybody, every coach on both sides of that equation have to beat the other one. You have to beat Michigan. That was John Cooper's big thing, right? You just got to beat Michigan. And then, you know, obviously 
Bo had pretty good success in that rivalry for a while as well. So, yeah, you got to take care of the other side of it. And the Auburn-Alabama game might be the greatest game I don't know. That, that was a that was a great I don't college. Even know what to say that, about that, that. that was a, a great college football. It was game. unbelievable. But, but that, I mean, I believe that's what college football is all about. I yep. mean, you you get the you get the enthusiasm from the fans there. You know, the loyalty because of people who have attended those universities. You get the entire state behind you, and those two are, are again within the same state, and and they're going after each other. Either you're in Auburn or you're in Alabama, and. Uh, I, I don't think anybody could have walked out of that stadium, mad or not. Although I, I guess it was an altercation; somebody actually killed somebody. somebody yeah, yeah. But you know, you couldn't walk out of that stadium disappointed. It's just—it's a game. You yeah. want to win, but you got to be. I'd be much rather. I'd be happier if I walked out and it was a great game than if it was a blowout. You know, you'd be like Nick Saban if it's a blowout. He's asking people and begging people to stay in the stadium. You know, and so they stayed. And got a different result. One of the greatest games I've ever seen in person was when my Washington State Cougars lost to Michigan in the Rose Bowl in 1998, New Year's Day. Right at the it end. It was a great game, and it came down to the last of it, and we showed well. I mean, little Washington State against Michigan, who won the national championship that day. <laughs> that was still a pretty good game. Well, we, we, got, we got a guest on the line with us, and uh, I want to bring him in. Uh, he's, he's a friend from the, the Hall of Fame city of Canton, Ohio. Uh, he's also a great filmmaker. And uh, we have Dave Jingo on the line with us now. Dave, are you there? I am here. Hey, what's happening back there, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, no, it's good to have you on. I, you know, I don't like, I never like to celebrate by myself. I'm never one of those kind of guys <laughs> that want to celebrate by myself. So I wanted somebody else to, I, and I'm just curious, you know, there's a different perspective. Some of you may have seen the, the, the celebration of which uh, took place when, when Eddie George was watching the game and watching the Buckeyes, of course, win. And, and I'm just curious how, how it was in, in the Jingo household, uh, whether you were with some friends or, or family, but uh, how, how was that celebration as you watch the Buckeyes wrap that game up there, Dave? Uh, it was a it was a pretty raucous celebration. I was uh, I was at a friend's house. We had a kind of a football um, party. You know, we just we watched football all day and uh, cooked a lot of food and and ate and enjoyed each other's company. And uh, you know, the game came down obviously to the last play, and you just didn't know what was going to happen. And we were all on the edge of our chairs. There was actually a few fans from that team up north in the room, but. Uh, the Ohio State fans drowned them out, and we were jumping up and down and hooping and hollering and going nuts. Yeah, I think it's always good. You know, I, you know, you see these games on TV, and you see, you know, I don't know if they're family or they're certainly fans, and and one person is rooting for one team, and right next to him is somebody's rooting for another team. And I would imagine that, Doug, that could be kind of tense when you're in an environment where you may or may not know that person, depending upon if you're season ticket holders. But, you know, to see those two next to each other at times, and I, I just think fans, I mean, I, I, obviously somebody who Dave knows, he's going to talk a little bit more about it, the, the son, uh, Dave actually played ball with his, or went to school with his dad at Kent McKinley High School. And we're talking about Hall, the kid who was kicked out of the Michigan game and, and gave the bird to a couple people. Oh, yeah. Now, is it that bad that the bird deserves some type of reprimand? Come on, reprimand for giving somebody the bird? Really? I can't believe they don't show it on television. I, I mean, that surprises me. Is it really? Is that profane? I guess it could be, but I don't want to give Myri Cyrus any pub here. But I, I remember her saying something. I, I can't even. You're bleeping out when I say the, the word f. But you got people showing them how to, you know, sell drugs and do all these other things and cook up drugs on TV. But somebody says the word, you know, and you got to bleep that out. Not somebody gives them the bird. And you want to be, you want to reprimand this guy? It's like uh, it's the worst thing in the world you could have ever done, 
You know, he, he needs to be scolded. He need bring him out in front of the, you know, the world and let's whip him. You know, what the hell's going yeah, on? Yeah, I, I thought it was hilarious. You know, it, it's just it's just a bird. But, you know, I, I guess it's, you know, it's a role model and it's a bad impression on the kids. God knows what the kids were saying. <laughs> the kids like, what is that? We don't even use that. We say it. We don't we don't have to give you sign language anymore. We, we tell you what to do. But but I'll tell you what, Dave. Um. And again, I believe if I'm not mistaken, you, you spoke to or, or a friend of yours was in touch with uh, with the Hall kid's dad. Is that right? Yeah, we uh, we went to high school with uh, Ricky Hall, Marcus Hall's um, father. And um, after the game, he actually called the, the my friend uh, who was hosting the party. And um, I, I just kind of secondhand heard their conversation. But basically, they were um, wondering what the repercussions were going to be. And um, from what I understand... Um, Urban Meyer is not going to discipline him. The the Big Ten reprimanded him, but there'll be no further action. And I'm not sure if the NC2A is going to look into it. I I think they are, but I haven't heard anything about what they have to say about it. Dave, did they did he tell uh, his father why he he reacted that way? Was there something specific or? I I don't you know I'm not even sure he had talked to him at that point because it was shortly after the game ended, and. Um, I, so I really don't know if he had talked to him or or what set him off, but he he really he really was going at it there. You know, there was a lot of punches thrown on the field, but uh, for whatever reason, he just could not get calmed down on the sidelines, um, throwing his helmet and giving the uh, he we're number one gesture to the fans. <laughs> well, I, I think this day for sure. I, I think just from what I saw, I, I think the emotions escalated. Once he was ejected from the game, you know, and and it's my understanding again that it had to more to do with the throwing of punches than it had to do anything with him coming off the field because, uh, you know, unlike some sports where it's okay, there are certain sports where it's not okay, uh, but certainly I think what we're all concerned about certainly those who are Buckeye fans are concerned about the the ejection of the game, it happened in the first half. If it happens in the first half, I believe the rule is that you're then, it does not carry over to the second, uh, to the next game. But if it happens in the second half, you, know, you then, miss the whole game. Then you got to, you're, you're yeah. done for the next game, the following game. Uh, so, but I believe he missed some time and he's, both of those guys will be okay for this upcoming game. I, I believe that's the case too. I'm not 100% certain, but I do believe that's the case. And, yeah, I, I don't know why he was so angry, but you know, it might have been he just maybe he felt like he was unfairly singled out because there was a lot of punches being thrown by a lot of different people, and you know, a lot of times if you're the last one to act, you're the one that gets penalized. And I clearly saw him uh, throw a punch, and I obviously the refs did too, but maybe he felt he was uh, unfairly singled out, and then. The way he reacted to the fans on the sideline, they they must be taunting him. And I know the fans are very close to the sidelines. Yeah, I, I remember that from my days in Michigan. There's no doubt about it. Those folks up there are very close to us. Listen, what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to take a break. I got a little music in my ears. Uh, we got Dave Jingo with us. Dave's going to talk a little bit about a movie that he's made and he's involved with. And, uh, and we're going to talk some more Buckeyes. We're going to talk a little Browns. We're going to talk about a Monday night. I think there was a pro football game on last night, and somebody in the studio here is really happy. So uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We'll be right back.
is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. You bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. It matters that the Buckeyes beat that team up north. Now we got a championship game against uh, that other team up north. Uh, they got a state after their name, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. But first, I want to start off something. I'm going to start off something good before I go to the bad because the Browns got a little bit of bad stuff going on right now, and it's got me bothered a bit. But I want to talk about something good. So th- let me, if I will, my good friend Dave Jingle is on with me. And, and, and Dave, anytime I get a chance to, to talk to somebody from the Hall of Fame city and about the good work that they're doing out there, I want to be sure that I, uh, I get a, a call in to you and, and, and help you uh, talk about and promote some of those good things and good works that you've been doing in the past. And most recently, I understand that uh, you won an award out in, in Los Angeles, California, of all places, uh, that that's a big deal. When you walk away with the first prize, anything that's related to uh, anything in film in Hollywood, uh, we need to talk about that. So tell me a little bit about that, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's about a ball player, too. It is about a ball player. 
about a, a football player from days gone by. Uh, his name is Cookie Gilchrist. Um, a lot of people don't know that name, but a lot of people should know his name. He played for the Bills in the uh, early 60s. That's probably what he's most famous for here in the States. Uh, he also played up in Canada in the 50s. He played in the CFL, uh, won some championships up there, uh, won a championship with the Bills in the AFL, um, was really labeled as the Jim Brown of the AFL. He was a fullback, um, an unbelievable physical specimen. He had speed. He had strength. He had uh, moves, um, smart football player, uh, very, very dominant. could play just about any position on the field that settled into fullback because of his skill sets. And um, not only that, he was also an incredible man. And uh, like you said, we grew up in the Hall of Fame city, and uh, I used to live over there at the Pro Football Hall of Fame and study football and read and, and watch all the films. And I knew who Cookie Gilchrist, the football player, was, but I did not know who Cookie Gilchrist, the man, was. And uh, what I came to find out is he was an incredible man that led an incredible life um, did a lot in um, civil rights very early on in the civil rights movement. Always stood up for what he believed was the right thing. Was very involved in um, helping players. He was discussing um, concussions and player treatment and all the stuff they're just now talking about. He was doing that 40 years ago before anybody else was talking about it. So he's a, a man ahead of his time as well. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned that we, um, we won an award. This uh, documentary about Cookie's life is called Misunderstood, the Cookie Gilchrist Story. And uh, we took first place for best foreign feature documentary. And the reason it's foreign is because, like I said before, Cookie played in the CFL, and he started his family in Toronto. And uh, his sons produced this documentary, so it's based out of Toronto. Wow, you know, it's interesting because I hear the things that you say about about Cookie, and many times we, we don't hear about, you know, the struggles and, and the times and the generation of things that happened during that period of time. We don't tie Cookie's name to those things. Is there a reason why Cookie's name in your mind was was, was not attached? I mean, I know the names of Muhammad Ali. I know the names of uh, of, of Jim Brown and, 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 and Bill Russell. Of course, they had a larger and a, and a much bigger voice. Uh, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was Lou Alcindor during the Civil Rights Movement, was was it the fact that Cookie was up in in, in Buffalo, or or was it someplace else where he grew up, and it, that his name just wasn't on the radar? I, I think there's several reasons. Uh, one, he, you know, a lot of times he was his own worst enemy, and he battled virtually every owner and every coach that he ever played for. Um, he, you know, it was always. It was usually over salaries or, you know, something along those lines. And back in those days, you know, they were not getting paid really what they deserved based on what they were putting their bodies through. So he was always fighting for that. So he was he was basically kind of labeled a, a, trub, a troublemaker and an ingrate and, and, and kind of blackballed, quite frankly. So he would never get any kind of endorsements or anything like that, although – he he should have. He he was a very articulate man. He was a good-looking guy. In today's um, you know landscape of football, he he would be a, a, a you know a very very highly sought um, person to push people's products. 
but uh, he just he just um, always was rubbing people the wrong way. And then some some of the things he did, this I don't understand. He there was a an AFL All Star game in New Orleans in 1965, following the 1964 season. Um, all the Black players were assured that they would be treated fairly. Well, they weren't. They couldn't get a cab. They weren't, you know, allowed into certain establishments, especially in the French Quarter. Some of them had guns pulled on them. Obviously, the racial slurs were were flying. So the players got together and they boycotted the game, and actually moved the the AFL back the players and moved the game from New Orleans to Houston. Now, New Orleans was trying to get a franchise. They were trying to get an NFL franchise or they were trying to get an AFL franchise. When that happened, it really set them back as far as having an opportunity because they were viewed as a city that just wasn't embracing civil rights. And it was only the year before that the Civil Rights Act had passed. But they basically were not practicing it. So they had to reexamine themselves and take a hard look and change their ways. And they did. And they started to actually make some headway and uh, do what they needed to do regarding civil rights. And because of that, a few years later, they were awarded the Saints. So that group of players and Cookie, who basically spearheaded the whole thing, in a way are responsible for the Saints being placed in New Orleans and for the city of New Orleans changing their ways for the better. But nobody knows this story, and I'm not quite sure why. Well, I can tell you what, you just won first place, and you're here, uh, of course, today talking and uh, sharing uh, this information with people all over the world. So uh, no longer will people have a reason to say they don't know about it. Uh, they certainly can Google it. Uh, is there a, uh, a way of which people who may be interested in finding out a little bit about the film, Dave, is there someplace they can go? Uh, is, is the film yet being distributed uh, in any outlet theaters at the moment? Well, uh, we are actually uh, looking at distribution deals right now. So right now we do not have a distribution deal, but you can go to cookiegilchrist.com and uh, find out more information about him. And I believe uh, the uh, trailer is on that website as well. Well, that that's great. I, I really want to congratulate you and uh, keep doing the, uh, the fine work that you've been doing, Dave. I, I've heard so many great things about you. And, of course, uh, I can never uh, talk to you and not mention about 13 and 0, a great film you did, of course, on our high school there, Camp McKinley Bulldogs, uh, that 1981 season that they did. And I believe uh, the kid who's at Ohio State Hall who was thrown out of the game, his dad was on that 1981 team. Am I correct? That's right. Uh, Ricky Hall, he was a defensive end for uh... – the Bulldogs that year, uh, one of many, many great players on that team. Uh, he had great speed. He was very tall, um, also had a great um, vertical leap, blocked a lot of passes, really good at uh, containing the outside run. Just a tremendous player and a, and a great guy. Good, also. good. Hey, well, listen, uh, I, I want to keep you here for a moment because I, I want to ask you a little bit about – I've had a good time having conversation with you about – the Ohio State University. But there's another team in the state of Ohio that I'm not sure if uh, I got to. No, I can't go that. I can't go that route. I know that the Browns would beat the Buckeyes. But what the hell's going on with the Browns, man? I mean, come on, Dave. I mean, we're up. We're down. We're moving people. We're changing ownerships. The team's back. They left. You know, I, I, people are getting tired of me talking about when I played. That That's like decades ago. Come on. What's yeah, happening? The, what what's going on? Oh, the Browns. I, uh, what can you say? They're, they're 
We got there two. You got be. two minutes to give us something good. If there's anything, if you, if you see, is there light at the end of the tunnel at all? Actually, I, I believe there is some good. Um, Doug's laughing over here, by the way. I I'm, want you to know that. I had nothing. I was not laughing. I would never do that. We go from Seattle to the Browns, and that, that was hey, a right. huge jump for him. In between there, there was some Buckeye stuff, but go go right ahead. Tell us, give us some hope out here in the West Coast, because we got a lot of Browns fans out here. So give us a little hope out here in Arizona. I believe there is some hope. Um, if, if, you, if you're on the outside looking in and you, and you look at their record and you look at the way they've played this year, you're like, oh, another bumbling Browns team that's going to win four or five games. And that's basically what they're going to do. But there is some groundwork there that's been laid that is very positive. Uh, defensively, they have a very good defense. I, I, I heard Herman Edwards refer to him as a playoff caliber defense. Um, the offense is the problem. You know in this league it's quarterback-driven, and you have to have a good quarterback. And they just have not been able to find a good quarterback. Now, They've compiled a lot of draft picks. Um, the most famous, obviously, is the Trent Richardson um, trade where they got a second first-round draft pick. So that is looking better and better every day as, as Trent is really struggling over there in Indianapolis. Hey, hey, hey Dave, I'm sorry. We got a little music. I'm going to have to interrupt you. But but sure. I want to come back because I Joe Banner's there, too. So they got some people upstairs that know a little bit more about football than maybe what they had in the past. But we're going to come back to that. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We'll be right back after this break. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Railroad Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Buckeyes, victorious last weekend. And that matters to me. It's my show, Rail of Sports. And of course, I got my good friend, Doug Mack, with me. And I'm going to let my man, uh, Dave Jingo, finish up. Uh, of course, Dave, an uh, uh, outstanding filmmaker, just did an outstanding job. Uh, actually won an award. Uh, in fact, not just an award, but first place for his best film feature documentary uh, at the All Sports Los Angeles Film Festival. Uh, it was a story, of course, about a uh, great ball player uh, for the Buffalo Bills, it's entitled The Cookie Gilchrist Story, uh, Misunderstood, Cookie Gilchrist. Uh, so, Dave, let, let's talk a little bit. Of, and, and by the way, you know, that whole Cookie Gilchrist stuff and all that stuff is kind of reminds me of uh, my good friend John Wooten uh, and the stuff, the work that they're doing with the Fitz Pollard uh, Foundation. I, I think they need to recognize Cookie. Uh, personally, I need to talk to good friend John. And uh, I'm sure they probably have already had some conversations with uh, with the Gilchrist family. But, but Dave, uh, quickly, uh, the Browns. Uh, I think you were headed towards what you think might be a solution. Uh, I added a comment in there. They got a good man at the helm up there, uh, body man from the Philadelphia Eagles, Joe Banner, part owner. I think uh, somewhere in the front office as some type of the executive, if not the GM. Um, I see a, a couple of those pieces to the puzzle coming together as well. Uh, but the the Browns fans have been probably the most patient fans of all uh, because I think they're, they're, they're maybe one of maybe three or four teams that have never been to the Super Bowl, although they've been uh, quite close. Uh, are the fans going to um, continue to support the team, which I think they will, but throughout the rest of the season, do you think the fans will continue to support the team uh, knowing that, you know, that division, it, it's tight, but you can't keep losing games and expect to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think they'll absolutely support the team. They always do, win or lose. It doesn't matter how many games they, they lose. They always support the team. Um, th- there's very little hope for the playoffs, even though the records are fairly close. But the Browns are in last place and, and sliding. They're playing the Patriots next week, so that doesn't bode well. But, um, I, you know, that there's the the joke around here is uh, wait till next year, wait till next year, which we always do, and nothing ever happens. But like I said before, I do think there are some positive uh, things going on here, like never before. The defense is really stout and, and is a playoff caliber defense. Um, they need a few more pieces to the puzzle. They have a lot of draft picks. Um, I think at this point they they'll they have the advantage of. Uh, or the luxury of only needing to add depth to the defense, which is something they've never been able to do. It's always, you know, many main pieces they needed to find. And then on offense, you have to have that quarterback. We saw a taste of what a good quarterback does. Brian Hoyer played a couple of games, and then he blew out his knee. And, uh, you know, that was the end of his season. Uh, he had basically learned in the Patriots system um, under Tom Brady, and he played like Tom Brady. He didn't have the same athletic skills, but he got rid of the ball fast and uh, made good decisions and quick decisions and was accurate downfield. But, uh, you know, and, and they were successful, and it, it seemed to make the whole offense better. They, the line was better. They could run better. It was opening up the running game. So I think if they get a good quarterback um, with all the draft picks they have, they, they, need a, they need to add a little depth to the offensive line, they need a key or a feature running back. I think they can find that either in free agency or the draft. But 
the key is you got to get it right on the quarterback. If they get it right with the quarterback, I think um, they're really headed in the right direction. All right. Well, get, you know, if you had your druthers and uh, you're looking at the smorgasbord of quarterbacks that are going to be on the board next year, um, who would you take given your pick? Oh, boy. You know, there's there's several guys, and they're all a little different. Um, Mettenberger, he intrigues me from LSU. He's a pro-style quarterback. And I personally would take a pro-style quarterback with mobility. That's basically what I'm looking for. Um, I think this uh, read option is probably not going to last long because these quarterbacks get killed. So if you have a quarterback that can run a pro-style offense but is mobile enough to keep the play alive and keep the pass play alive, I think you're. Uh, I think that's what they need. Mettenberger, he he's intrigues me. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater intrigues me. Um, Manziel, I just don't know if he's quite suited for the NFL. He's he's going to run around and and he's not very big. So Dave, you don't sure. you don't like the kid out of Alabama? His name's escaping me right AJ now. AJ McCarron. Yes, AJ McCarron. Yes, he's definitely one that I would consider. He's got a little bit of mobility, good arm, real smart kid. Um, I, I would definitely consider him too. Okay, I'm getting I'm getting a head shake over from Doug Mack. What, come on, Doug. What's, what's going AJ on? AJ McCarron. I mean, you know, come on. Has anyone ever benefited more from the system and the team they played on? The guy's got the offensive line for us. You know, a low level NFL franchise pretty much for his entire career. He's got great running backs behind him, and he just sits in the pocket and plunks and dunks. Well, I and I'm say, not hating I on say, him. I wouldn't say he has great running backs because of the Alabama running backs. I don't. Can, it's all about the me? line. Yeah. Well, it, and you're exactly. Right, yeah. and that's where I, I think that the Browns need to concentrate a little bit more. I mean, I mean they, they're doing okay. After all, they got a receiver who what's uh, at two hundred yards receiving two yeah. consecutive games. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a little history Gordon, right Josh there. Gordon, yeah, yeah, but but at the same time, I think anybody in in that division, uh, particularly in, in in that part of the country. The running game, you have to have a running game. If, if you don't run the ball in that AFC division, you can forget about it. You, you just got to run the well, ball. I, I just wouldn't want A.J. McCarron to be the centerpiece quarterback of my franchise. Well, if, if you really think about given it. Given Marcus Mariota on well, the board. All, you, all you have to do nowadays, you have to accept the fact that your defense is going to have to be stellar. You, you cannot just have an average defense, particularly secondary. That's where I want to go with this. And I'm not biased. It's just the truth of what's happening now. Because this is becoming... <laughs> You're biased. This is a, no, this is a passing league now. And everything is to the advantage of the receivers and the quarterback. You can't hit the quarterback and you can't hit the receivers. So those are two people that are untouchable and they have the ball. <laughs> so you, you better try to do something to, to try, to, try to stop them. I agree. B- because, you know, again, everybody's saying, you know, you don't need to draft a running back in the first round. But, you know, I still think you need a damn good running back and you need to have a, a great offensive line because you want to try to control the game if you can once you're ahead. But, again, you don't want to get too overcautious to the point where you're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. I still think – I don't mind if a person still wings the ball when they're ahead. If that's what got you there, you can't try to get away from it and all of a sudden become very conservative because – that time does stay on the clock now. So. Yeah, but do you trust A.J. McCarron? Uh, he's won like almost three national championships. He's won two national championships. So can he, as they say, manage a football game? Uh, I think, as a matter of fact, let's talk a little bit about that. I don't think he Gino, lost the Gino game. Gino Toretto won I, a lot of games, too. I, I don't think he lost the game. I think Nick was actually outcoached in that particular game. You know, of, of all the times that he needed to be on top of his game. He was. 
You know, I don't think he was. I think he was. Well, I don't think he wanted that second back on the clock if you uh, see. That's why I said sometimes he, clock, he outcoached you know? himself. But then not only that, I, I'm a, I'm okay with that, Dave. You can see we've moved on to 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 Nick Saban in the <laughs> Alabama game, and and but but it's all because we're looking for talent and we're searching for talent. So we find ourselves talking about Nick Saban and his quarterback and potentially some of the other guys that he has on that team that could help the Browns and some other teams because they obviously need him. But let's talk about his coaching on that last play, if I will. I will say this about what Nick did, and, and, and you actually saw some people critical of Nick that his team uh, was not prepared because they didn't cover that, that kick, that uh, your field goal. Yeah, myself but that, included. But that's, but that's not true. If you go back and you watch the film, you'll see a couple of those guys that got blindsided. They were inside the 20-yard. They were close down by the 20-yard line. You know, So they did run downfield. And 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 it was a cover. They maybe didn't call it, but they covered. There was a couple crackbacks downfield. But it, but the majority of them watched the field goal. No, and no. then reacted when they saw a dude grab the ball. No. And then and by that time Auburn had set up the picket fence. They had the wall. They, they had that was a called play. It, wall they, left. If no. you watch it, they came and set up the wall. Here, so. and again, this is the same thing. Both of them had a call. Their, their called play, they which is everybody's called with play. Their pants down. Everybody's called play is if it's a field goal, you're going in and you're going to. You know, run the play, which is a field goal. It wasn't a field goal. It wasn't a fake field goal. It was a field goal. And including the field goal, after the ball's kicked, then you do what's called cover. Those guys cover. Now, on the receiving team, you're out there. You're trying to block the field goal. But in the event that you don't block it, then what you try to do, if you can make a play on the ball, it's automatic. You know, it's just it's, – it's so so everybody went out there prepared. I don't know. I just don't think so. Oh, they went out there prepared. All due respect, there wasn't right preparation on the Alabama side. No. Or that guy doesn't just ghost down the left uh, well, sideline. It, it, you know ha- I mean? it only happens a couple times. Dave, did you see that play? I, I did, and I also heard the Alabama coaches talking about it. And uh, one thing they did was they put that kid in that, that returned it. He, he's their – I think he's their kick returner. He's very fast, and they knew that there was only. They said there was only about three players on the Alabama kicking team that could make a tackle. The rest of them were just these big offensive linemen. So they knew if they blocked those three guys, which they did, right out of the gate, they really had a shot. And that's exactly what happened. And see that, and and what what you just said there, Dave. I've even heard again. I'm not, not defending Nick, but just people who should know the game. You don't change up your personnel. On a field goal, then kick. don't kick the field goal. No, no, you kick the field goal. A fifty-seven yarder, you of guys. Course. I mean, that's it's not... only one second. You all you could do is either, you know, I you say throw it. the hail mary and then take your ch- chances in overtime. Why, why, they've been winning the whole game. They why were throw a hail mary because in pros, unlike in college, unlike pros, the hail mary is not going to go to the one yard line. It's going to be a fifteen yard penalty. What? No, the Hail Mary's for the just you're, you're trying to get some fluky ending like they had against Georgia. Well, yeah, you, you think they're going to catch it, but also, you know. You I also take my chances with that because then if there is an interception, I know I've got my, my personnel on the field that can run that kid down. But so the law, that's just the, my opinion. But, but the, law, uh, the law of percentages is also that there's a greater chance you're going to make the field goal than you're going to, you know, the Hail Mary's going to I don't work. think he'd ever hit one that far. I, I'm not sure on that, but I mean, 50, but, it would seem ambitious. But the, but the percentages is, is better for it. Okay, well, you're, you may be right about that, but it didn't work out. So oh, what the hell, man! I know what you want to do. You just want to move on. You I just want to talk. argue about you, you this. Just, you just want to talk <laughs> so about the, get to the Seahawks. So let's okay. No. Let's go ahead and move. We're going to move right into that, David. If you can hang on with us, hang in there, man, because uh, you know we're going to talk a little bit about a team last night. And I'm wondering, what, what's your team? 
Matt, come on. What? Where was your team at last night? I don't know. They Did just, they show up? No, not so much. I, I guess. mean, you've been waiting all year for, you know, put this one on me, man. I, you know, I, I didn't want to come in the office today because I was like, oh, man, I got to <laughs> I already told him he's going to be on the show with me. Oh, well. He took my show last time he was on. And today you're a little quiet. Well, I mean, we have a guest. I'm trying to be cordial. Well, go ahead. You know? go ahead. No, 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 Now's your time. Don't be, don't be humble. And don't give me an excuses because there are no excuses. Excuses. Yes. Why would they be making excuses? They, no, no. They, I'm you saying. Know, I'm saying them. that you guys played an excellent game. Yep. No doubt about it. But in terms of excuses, I think you guys should have killed them. Well, you, you, I mean, totally okay. annihilated them. Well, that's interesting because at the end of the game. They had every opportunity okay, to run music. it up. A little bit of music. I hear it. They, they, had, they had every opportunity to run that score up, and, and they Pete, didn't. And yeah, I want to talk okay. about the sea right. change in okay. Pete Carroll right. and the good karma I, I moving want you forward. Know, I, yeah, I, I said you could have killed. I, yeah. I, want, I want you to All address right. that. I'm going to let you address that. Okay, yeah. we got that music. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. My man Dave Jingo is at home for me in the Hall of Fame city. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. It's got to go. Doug is taking over my show as well. I wasn't at all. I'm being sedate on the sideline here. Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. My man Dave Jingle was back in the Hall of Fame City with us and going to ride with us as we close out the show. And, and I, I threw that. I set you up because I wanted you to talk a little bit, right. if you will. I thought uh, it was interesting. So uh, it was Pete Carroll at the end of the game. That's exactly and right. Could have blew him out. And had every opportunity to mm-hmm. run it up. And I think this is really significant and indicative of a, a change, a sea change in the way that Carroll 
wants to be perceived by his coaching community. And also, I think he learned some valuable lessons, maybe karmically or something to that effect about putting out the the negative energy of running up a score and embarrassing someone on a national stage. I go back to Stanford when he did him dirty like that. A number of games at USC when he was in the heyday in 2002, 2001, when he had all bullets firing on that battleship of a team they put together. And he did every chance I saw he took to 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 put it up on people to just put gaudy scores and gaudy numbers but you on can't, people. But, but to be honest, and I think that's a bad thing but, but to do. To be honest, you really can't. You can't control the play of an athlete when he's in a game. Well, you, but you, yes, you can. As a coach, you control the play calling, and that's what happened last night. They're up thirty-four to seven. They got the rock on like the forty-yard line going in, and he ran four straight plays that were basically stretch sweeps and fall down inbounds. Okay, I understand and that. What's you interesting? Stop, that's different. Again, but that's a play. They could have thrown the ball. Old Pete Carroll. And I, we were talking about it during the game. I'm like, this is different because old Pete Carroll runs a play action bomb and scores on you. Yeah, but but again, you know, you got you got colleges and universities where you're talking about style points where it's important for you down. Well, the, what are you saying? Why didn't you run it up? Well, Why I, didn't I, they I'm beat just, them by I'm more? Giving, I'm giving you a chance. I to, think that they did beat them thoroughly, and I think that the statement had been made. And it's interesting that New Orleans got the ball back and down 34-7 punted. But but not only that, they took my man Drew Brees out of the game. Punted. So they kind of threw up so the white were, flag. I think they're they both saying, all right, you know, this is cool. Yeah, but, I, know, but I, again, like we got you know, it. it's one of those type of things where, you know, you could just imagine, I believe it was um, uh, Injuries you know, on Mike and Mike this morning. It's funny, uh, the, the little Mike was, was talking about the fact that for the first time in his life, he got as close to his ever possible for him to get a game ball that was sent to him by the you know by Northwestern University because he was a captain before a game and they sent him a ball and it's and, and in the professional ranks you got to understand man there are guys I, I know what you said there's not a play that's designed uh, if everybody does their job that shouldn't be a score and there are some kids out there that they, the first touchdown they may ever get in their life and just because the other team didn't do their damn job well if you don't want me to score tackle me that's the bottom line. But, well, they but were I see what you're saying. Plays, I see what you're saying you about know. Pete. And, and I'm actually, you know, I'm a Pete Carroll fan. Wow, so, but, yeah. so, but let me just say this. I, I want to say this. I think that Pete Carroll was a little bit ahead of his time. And Dave, I'm going to say if you can add a little bit to this. I think Pete Carroll was a little bit ahead of his time because Pete, you know, this is his second go round. And his first go round, I think Pete might have been a little bit over the top for professional sports at that time. I think it's a different generation of athlete, and they are embracing uh, the childhood type of approach of man. This is I, I'm in Candyland, and I, this is all the candy in the world that Pete brings to a game. I mean, this man has so much energy; it's like he's a kid, and and he's coaching a football team. And I think these young guys are actually enjoying it. And I think his first time around when he was with New England, I, I just think it was a different type of pro athlete and and Pete coming in with that game I don't think they were ready for that kind of energy that he brought on a daily basis what do you think about that uh, Dave go ahead well I, I will say that the Seattle Seahawks do play really loose and I think that's a reflection of that coach and, and to your point you know you hear the term um, a, a player's coach he truly seems to be where you're right he's clapping he's smiling he's having fun and and those players look like they're doing the same thing and it, it's that mentality and they seem to play loose and therefore well and 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 i i, I want to ask my man dougie mack you know do you think that they're a little bit too loose or no do you think, no yeah. i think it's perfect they're allowed to be themselves they're having fun they know they're good 
They don't care. They're, uh, I think it's a perfect balance, and they're doing some different things up there. When Russell Wilson was interviewed after the game by uh, the ESPN crew there on the field, he came on and they talked about his numbers. His numbers were incredible. He went out there, and I mean, the student became the teacher. I mean, Breeze is his idol kind of thing happened. He didn't, all he talked about was his mental and how the, the team and the organization has allowed him to focus his mind and how he's in a frame of mind to perform at a peak you know, at his peak when it matters most. And I thought that was really interesting that he's all he wanted to discuss was the mental, the sort of presence and uh, and in the moment, you know, uh, elements that the, the team has has really made a core element of the, their whole entire approach organizationally. Well, so. I, I'm, I'm going to actually give a shout out to one of my coaches up in heaven, a special teams coach by the name of Frank Gans and Frank Gans approach to sports in particular was to train the subconscious mind. This was a military approach that he took because it's like when you get in the heat of battle, all of a sudden your training has to take over mm-hmm. and, and you can't be out there thinking you've just got to go according to your training. So it doesn't surprise me because uh, there's another book out there and I'll reference it because I don't want to misquote and, and give the information that it's one book when it's another. But, but there's some stuff that's going on that Pete Carroll has bought into a mental approach and getting your, your, your players in the right frame of mind so yeah. that therefore when they're out there, they are relaxed and, and they can play. And I'll say this about Pete. Again, you know, Pete is the type of guy, the energy that Pete has on the sideline, his team brings that to the yeah, field. And that's who he is. Oh, and that's and I know that book. Pete Carroll recommended that book to me, and I read it because of him. And, and he's that kind of guy. I mean, I, I was just a peripheral player in terms of our conversations. He took the time to recommend that to me, and I went and read it. It's about tennis. and But it's really about being in the moment. And that's the kind of dude he's evolved into. I don't know if that was Pete Carroll at New England oh, no. and well, New I, York. I, I can tell you that was Pete Carroll. I think he's turned into that guy. I think that was Pete Carroll at the Ohio State University because when I had Pete as my – defensive back coach my junior year, Pete was all about, no mistakes. And and shout out to myself. I think uh, <laughs> in, ter- to myself. in terms of a great, uh, a winning performance, uh, <laughs> I had a winning performance every year, every game. Well, Pete was only my coach for one year, but I think I missed a winning performance in one game. And the winning performance was 90. And right. I got an 89. But it was because of him. It was about being a student of the I game. I got a secondary shout-out to being yourself. Being a student of the game. That's right? him. That's him. That's him, man. And so you you don't see, you know, like most games where you see some guy wide open, mental mistake. You don't see mental mistakes with the Seattle Seahawks. No, they're allowed to do what they you don't know, do to, 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 to react in the moment. And if they do make a mistake, then they, at least they did it at full throttle. Well, they do it at full throttle. But the fact of the matter is you don't see. You can, it's, it's very clear. Very aggressive. When somebody's made a mental mistake. Yeah. And, and you just don't see that with his team. They're very well discipline. Even when this, somebody tried to suck him into screen passes, I saw a lot of stuff last night that just had Pete's name just all over. And, and I was really happy. But for Drew Brees in the New Orleans, I'm going to tell you, I was disappointed after watching great college football to be stuck with that on Monday night. Oh, they, that was the best thing it could have. That was a beautiful game. They just didn't show up. That man. was a I, great man, I, game. I, I expected more out of them. But shout out to my man Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm, come and get your boys together, man. They got to do a little bit better than that. But... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about that. So, Doug, what, what game are you looking at this week? Before we go, what, what's, what, you got a game this well, week? Well, I mean, I actually think it's a pretty interesting game where Seattle has to go to San Francisco, and that's a game the Niners absolutely have to have. We all know their roster is a little bit better than their record, and Seattle can clinch the division title in San Francisco on Sunday. That'll be an interesting game. Home field advantage, there's no doubt about it. I think right now if somebody's going to make it to the Super Bowl and the NFC, they're going to have to go through. That 12th man yeah, arena. Good luck. Hey, hey, Dave, uh, you know, one last thing, man. Is there a, a game you're looking for this week? And if not, then we want to tell everybody again how they can find out more about the Cookie Gilchrist story. 
Yeah, well, yeah, you can go to uh, CookieGilchrist.com and, and find out more about his life. And, and there's, a, a, I believe, the trailer for the documentary is on there. And uh, as far as games I'm looking for, there's only one game this week as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's the Ohio State uh, Team Up North State game. There you go. Well, hey, we know what's going to happen That We're going to be victorious, and, and I hope to see you and all our good friends from the Buckeye State out in California because the weather's nice out there just like it is out here in Arizona. I do want to say one thing. Those Philadelphia Eagle fans out there, I know you're so happy about that game. There were a couple birds flying into a stadium, and the Eagles came out victorious. I thought that the Arizona Cardinals – would play better in the first half than they did, but they ran out of gas. Uh, but I'm just so happy that those Philadelphia Eagles won, and I, I want to congratulate Michael Vick on being a, a consummate uh, you know, team player and do what's best for his team, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. And hopefully the Eagles can continue because that team down in that state of Texas, we don't want to hear anything else about that team. Those Cowboys have got to go. So, hey, Dave, it's been great, man. I hope you didn't eat too much turkey this past weekend. hope you're still slim and trim. I ate just enough. Just enough. <laughs> okay, listen, you make sure you let those folks down there know that I gave them a shout-out, so I'm going to give an O-H. I-O. Hey, all right. For all those folks out there have been listening, I want to thank you for listening to Rail of Sports. You can catch me every Tuesday here on Voice America Sports at, of course, that's 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you can also give us a call to participate in case you've got a comment or a question. You can call us at 888-346-9144. But for now, i got to go. So that means I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.